Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey guys, LD here and TJ with a small parental warning. The following program contains mature content, including, but not limited to, mature quotes, drug use, violence, suggestive situations, and law-breaking, gun-loving, running with scissors, and just about everything your mother ever told you not to do. Which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD and TJ. Can you dig that, baby? (laughs) Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is TJ. Oh, hey. Welcome to our opening act, guys. Yeah. For the month of March. Yeah. The most boring of months. We have Aww, one we have one day. Poor March. Poor March. We have we have uh, St. Patrick's Day and that's it. Yeah. It's um Shamrock. Oh, we could have done Irish music. We could have. <laughs> you also could have thought about that before I wrote an entire episode. I didn't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. We love dropkick Murphys, so there you go. Yes, <laughs> our Irishman. Well, you know we did cover. Cl- well, you know we did cover Dolores O'Riordan, so that was yes, kind of did. Irish, and we've talked about Bono. So, yeah. Also, I don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day, and that's for two reasons. Number one, I don't drink anymore, so that. But also, I'm Irish, so I call it Amateur Day. <laughs> and uh, fair, yeah. So I call every day Amateur Day. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, because I do drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a lot. Sometimes more than I should. So, for today's episode, we're actually going to be covering something I thought was kind of funny. So, forgetting that <laughs> we had an entire Irish holiday coming up, I actually just chose Rumors in Rock. So, this is rumors that you may have heard of throughout history some of them are going to be pretty familiar and what we're going to do is i'm going to be the one that tells the ones that are the truth and tj i'm telling all the filthy lies and for this episode we would like to give a parental advisory yes so, most definitely <laughs> so if there are any young ears in the car this is probably not the episode for them and you've been warned twice now so <laughs> yeah, um, I know a lot of mine are very explicit. <laughs> Downright dirty. Yeah, very dirty. So one in particular, very, you, very dirty. If you have kids in the, the car or around you listening or on the block. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> this is, maybe not the right episode for baby ears. Yeah, skip skip ahead or go back and listen to older episodes. But oh, those impressionable youths. This is not the episode for kids or some adults. Yeah, if you're easily offended, <laughs> this is not the episode. This is not for the you. episode. And normally, you know, we usually keep 
our episodes pretty darn clean uh, for the most part. And we do self-editing and, and stuff like that. But uh, you know what? It's March. Let's let our hair down and, and get wild and crazy and naughty. Well, just also, we can't control the context of these rumors. <laughs> That's, they, they are what they are. Yeah. I would actually worry about my mom listening to this episode, but she hasn't figured out how to push the purple button yet, so... So it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so that's your warning, guys. We've also marked it with a big E, so don't add us. We've given you plenty of warning. Plenty of warning. So let's get started. So, starting off with Michael Jackson... Oh my gosh, what kind of rumors could this possibly be about? Oh, don't don't actually answer that. He did the music for Sonic the Hedgehog 3. How? Yeah, many believe that Michael Jackson might be the greatest pop star of all time, and Sonic the Hedgehog is actually one of the most successful video games of all time. Oh, the video game. Yeah, but what you <laughs> might not you know... you the new movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog 3. I know. <laughs> it's like, that movie's not even, like, that's not even a thing yet. Yeah, it is. And it's, shockingly, it's doing really well with the critics. No, it's, I meant three. The like, No, I, not, I know, trilogy but I'm one, saying, yeah. like, the movie that's out right, right now, everybody was thinking it's going to be terrible. And I think when I checked last on Rotten Tomatoes, it was sitting in a 93 audience score, which was ridiculous. I'm like, holy nice. cow, so blow me over with a feather. All right, so then. he actually wrote the music for the 1993 game Sonic the Hedgehog 3. The rumor began when young man who was obsessingly pouring over Michael Jackson's music and Sonic the Hedgehog's background music, which seems like that's two things that you wouldn't exactly be doing at the same time. But he discovered that they sounded way too similar to be just coincidence. After years of existing only as an internet rumor in January 2016, the composer for the soundtrack confirmed that the King of Pop really did write the music for the Sega game. Cool. Yeah, that was kind of... I don't I don't have this anywhere else, but like, did you watch... The Pee Wee Herman show? I As a kid. Pee Wee's Playhouse. I don't really remember much of it. Do you remember the theme song? No. Come on in and pull yourself up a chair. No, I don't remember that. Okay, well, for those listeners who do, <laughs> I'm just going to ignore TJ right now. <laughs> for those listeners who do, that was actually Cindy Lauper that did that theme song. So when I was reading this, I was kind of like, oh, that's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. So see, there that was go. not that was not a terrible one. That was not a bad that was not a bad start. That's not a bad start. We're we're dipping our toes gonna it's it's gonna get wet in here. Yeah. Like the first ones will be pretty tame. Yeah. It's gonna get worse as we go on. Oh yeah, my next one's not, not very good either. So Yeah, I'm not gonna be in the kitty pool too long. Nope. <laughs> like my first one and then that's it. <laughs> we'll be moving to the hot tub after that. Yeah. So my first false rumor, did you ever hear the rumor about Keith? moon driving a rolls royce into a hotel pool i've heard a lot of stories about keith moon well he is the quintessential rock and roll guy bad boy like he definitely collected nazi memorabilia he may have bitten steve mcqueen's dog and blew up his drums when the who played on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. I cannot wait to do his episode. I am <laughs> I have like four books based on Keith Moon. I am I am locked and loaded. I love Keith. He is my soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, so those things may be true. However, there was a rumor that he drove a Rolls-Royce into a pool at the Holiday Inn in Flint, Michigan on his 21st birthday. <laughs> 
This is not true. Huh. According to Pete Townsend, the story is actually a combination of two different stories that has become one not true rumor. So Keith Moon, in one of the stories, like one of the incidents, he left the handbrake off of a car and it rolled into a pool, which was under construction and did not have any water in it. <laughs> which would be worse, though? Like driving a know. car into a pool with water or driving a car into a pool without water? But he didn't drive the car into that pool. I'm just like, into either one. Either like, or. I'm just saying like... It just rolled in on its own. Which would do more damage? Uh, I I think you're pretty much screwed either way. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> the car's a loss if it goes near the pool. Yeah. Okay. And then, so the second story that this was combined with to create the not true drove Rolls Royce into a pool um, was that he charged a new car to the band who refused to pay for it. So Moon drove it into a muddy pond in his garden and called the dealer to come pick it up. <laughs> so it's two true stories rolled into one story. Right. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> and that's not our last Keith Moon rumor either. Nope. Um, our next one, which is true. Now, okay, I should say with a caveat that these are true and false based on articles that we both read and so there might be room for error so this is just like fun yeah it's just and, fun and it's you speculation know, it's yeah it's just what we found no one has it's photographic evidence yeah it's just fun so it's just fun so I hope you guys don't get angry and you're like that never happened or that did happen and blah 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 so like don't don't get mad at us it's just this is just meant to be fun and a little bit looser so, and just for us to kind of be able to talk off the cuff. So, uh, our next one, which is true, is all about Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, my. <laughs> so, Ozzy Osbourne achieved infamy overnight after an incident on January 20th, 1982 in Des Moines, Iowa, during the height of his drug problem. That is putting it mildly. Ozzy Osbourne was performing when an audience member threw a bat on stage. The singer, believing that it was rubber, and I do believe that he thought it was rubber. I don't think he would have... I believe that, too. Yeah. Bit off its head as a stunt, only to find out that the bat was real and alive. Not only that, but as he disclosed in the liner notes to the 2002 reissue of Diary of a Madman, the bat wound up biting him as well, which forced him to be treated for rabies. The incident fed his rock madman legend along with the one time that he bit off the head of a dove, which basically what happened was when he first met with Columbia Records in 1981, he took a live dove into the meeting with him and bit off the head in front of the horrified executives. That's awful. Yeah. I'd kick the crazy man out. I wouldn't sign him to a record deal. Yeah. He was also arrested for urinating on or near the Alamo and... While on tour with Motley Crue, he allegedly got into a one-upmanship dare contest with Nikki Nikki Six, and I'm sorry, that is that is a contest I would never even get close to. No, but he ended up snorting a line of ants. Better than biting the heads off of live animals, I think, though. No, oh, okay. The dove thing is kind of unforgivable. The bat thing is understandable, 
but you snorted a line of ants. What if they were fire ants? Also, you just have ants in your sinuses now. Huh. I'm yeah. sad I read that. Oh. Ew. Oh. <laughs> Why'd you have to elaborate? Just leave I'm it be. I'm sorry. I immediately regretted it. I apologize. You should. <laughs> what? Move on. Move on. Next. Moving on. Next lie. <laughs> All right. Here's a good one. Okay. Cass Elliot choked to death on a ham sandwich. Can we bury this now, please? Yeah. Really not cool. I don't like this lie at all. <laughs> this rumor is terrible. Are you doing Mama Cass? Yes, I am. All right. So this came up <clears throat> following a series of sold out gigs in London. Mama Cass retired to her apartment where she died of heart failure on July 29th, 1974. A rumor spread very quickly that she died from choking on a ham sandwich, which is just a horrible thing to say. You know, yes, she was a little overweight. Rude. Yeah. So it's believed that the rumor started when Dr. Anthony Greenberg, the physician who first examined Cass after her death, wrote, she appeared to have been eating a ham sandwich and drinking Coca-Cola while lying down. A very dangerous thing to do. She seemed to have choked on her ham sandwich. So, so great job, Dr. Greenberg, for that one. Um, but point of fact, her autopsy showed that a heart problem leading to heart failure was the cause of death, not a sandwich or any other item lodged in her throat or trachea. She had actually had very little to eat the day before she died. Like, her stomach was pretty clear. Mm. So, rumor nah. dead. I'm actually going to piggyback and double down on a Mama Cass and Keith Moon true story. Were they lovers? They were not, but they did die in the same apartment. Ew. Yeah. Rock stars have been taken from us way too young, and it just so happens that two brilliant musicians died in the same apartment at the same age of 32. Um, singer Harry Nielsen, who I love. That's my alarm every morning. I wake up to his song, Gotta Get Out. Oh, Okay. If you've seen the show Russian Dolls, you'll know why I wake up to that song every day. But um, he rented out his London flat to friends when he was traveling. And so on June 29th, 1974, Mama Cass of the Mamas and the Papas was staying in the flat while she was on tour and died of heart failure in her sleep. And on September 7th, 1978, Keith Moon of The Who overdosed on a sedative in that very same apartment. Which is eerie because they died in the same apartment under the same landlord at the same age. How crazy is that? That's a little crazy. So what's your next dirty, dirty lie? All right. So next lie. And here's where we start getting a little, a little more risque. Naughty. Stevie Nicks had cocaine blown into her butt with a straw. I have heard this one. And let me see if what you say, if they line up to be the same reason. Okay. Okay. So, I mean... Most rock and rollers of the 70s did cocaine. Let's, what? I mean, let's be honest. It, what, what? It happened. And sometimes into the 80s and beyond. How? What? <sighs> I know. What? I know it destroys your perfect image of these rock stars that they would ever do drugs. But it happened. Get over it. So, yeah. Stevie, Wook, so Stevie Nicks would, of course, have been part of that group. So Nicks wrote in her autobiography... That she had such an intense addiction to blow, she burned a hole in her nose the size of a dime. And that's where the rumors started. Like, 
That's a huge hole in your nose. So wait, is that true? She wrote it in her autobiography. Okay. So that part is true. But the story goes on that Nix was so addicted to coke, she had an assistant rectally administer the drug by blowing it into her butt through a straw. As crazy as it sounds, a Southwestern witch like Stevie Nicks probably had a much better way to get super high without shoving drugs in her butt. Yeah. It's it's one of those, like, I mean, it might have been true, but there's really no proof to that. So, now I, and I highly doubt that she had her assistant blow coke into her rear. Now, I've heard that she did have the hole in her nose and the doctor basically said, like, if you do cocaine one more time, you will die. Yeah. And that she had to have a nose job to basically replace the cartilage inside of her nose because of... Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that part's true. But uh, cocaine up the butt, not probably, probably not, not so true. much. Okay. Here's one that I think sticks in people's heads and has become kind of a running gag, but... Van Halen didn't want any brown M&Ms in their dressing room. You've heard this one, right? Yeah, I've heard variations of that from everybody. It's your, like, weird ask, I guess. Yeah. Well, some people use this story as an example of all the prima donnas in rock music, and others use it to show that rock stars aren't quite as hardcore as society thinks they are. And still, others simply can't believe it's true. But Van Halen really would not allow any brown M&Ms in their dressing rooms before a show, but it's not for the reasons why people think it is. Why is it? They had an extensive contract with a very specific safety guideline and important requirements for their progressive light shows. So in order to show that the venue hadn't taken the time to read every detail of the contract, they buried a line in that about the candy, basically in their writer. So if there were brown M&Ms in their dressing room, it proved that the venue had not done their job and that the band would actually need to inspect their stage lights and the setups on their own. That's actually kind of smart. Yeah. So, you know, people are like, oh, they're prima donnas. Oh, they don't want brown M&Ms and blah, blah, blah. No, it meant like if you didn't take care of this one piece, they had a visual representation that you didn't do your job. And so I actually think that's really smart of them. So yeah, it really is. Squash that one. Boom. Boom. And I love Diamond Dave. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought I'd okay. throw it in there. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's like the one time I get to yell, I love Diamond Dave. Well, who doesn't? All right. So here we go. I'm about to get dirty. Next false rumor that Marilyn Manson, and I remember this when this rumor, Marilyn Manson did not have some of his ribs removed in order to self-pleasure. <laughs> And see, that's not the only other rumor. I mean, there's a ton of rumors about Marilyn Manson, but the one that I'm the most familiar with is that it's Paul from the Wonder Years, which it's not. So. <laughs> I remember that one, too. <laughs> it would have been great if it was, but it's not. But I, I love Marilyn Manson. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. This rumor has actually been attributed to a few people throughout music history, um, but... I don't think that if you are a famous rock star making multi-millions of dollars or multiple millions of dollars, you really have a problem finding someone to do that for you. Yeah, gross. So the rumor is definitely not true. That seems, that yeah, seems, I mean, that seems illogical because aren't your ribs 
for the protection of your internal organs. Yes. And literally, you would have to find the sketchiest doctor to have them remove your ribs if it wasn't to, like, save your life. Yeah. So, yeah. So, this rumor is just, it's totally false. He doesn't, first of all, need to be able to put his own uh, piece in his mouth. That is the nicest way to say that. <laughs> Are we talking about a saxophone? Yes. Okay. He does not need to be able to do that himself. I am sure there are any number of people ready and waiting to do that for him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, rumor squashed. It's not true. Sorry, folks. All right. The next, I'm going to say this is probably 100% true, and it's about Van Morrison, who I adore Van Morrison. Uh, that was one of the first CDs I ever got growing up was a Van Morrison CD. So I love him. All right. Rock legend Van Morrison has always been a brilliant and prolific songwriter, but no period of writing can quite compare to what he did in one day in 1967. At that time, Morse was stuck in a bad contract that he desperately wanted to get out of, but he still owed the record company 36 songs. So in one afternoon, Morrison recorded 30 new nonsensical songs dubbed the revenge songs that technically fulfilled his contract. So while the rumor that Van Morrison recorded 30 songs in one day is true, not all the songs were winners. <laughs> so <laughs> that's yeah. almost like, I want to say it was Marvin Gaye who during his divorce, he promised to give the proceeds to his ex-wife. And so he named the album here, my dear. <laughs> So, that's kind of funny and i think that was the the album that sexual healing was on so sexual so she's doing okay healing. it's good for me <laughs> move on <laughs> moving on i'm gonna keep it dirty because you know it's how i roll it's fun there is a rumor out there and perhaps you have heard it that keith richards was caught by british police eating a mars bar out of the nether regions of his then-girlfriend, Marianne Faithful. Saucy. Saucy. So, basically, the police raid his home sometime in the 60s. Like Apparently, him. he's eating a Mars bar from her. And uh, the worst part is, is they kind of, they used it in the press. The the, poli the police and the press are the ones that started this rumor. What? And it was actually put out there publicly. Um. So they put this out there to kind of demonize the two, which is really terrible. Um, and it really made life difficult for Marianne Faithful for quite some time afterwards. But to clear up, to clear, but to clear the air, this did not happen. Um, and from Faithful's autobiography, she says, the Mars bar was a very effective piece of demonizing. Way out there. It was so overdone with such malicious twisting of the facts. Mick retrieving a Mars bar from my vagina, indeed. It was far too jaded for any of us even to have conceived of. It's a dirty old man's fantasy. Some old fart who goes to a dominatrix every Thursday afternoon to get spanked. A cop's idea of what people do on acid. And that was a quote from Miriam Faithful's autobiography. The saddest part about all this, honestly, is like most people would be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But this actually was used to make them look bad. Huh. So. Wouldn't it. Sucky. Wouldn't it melt? Not if you did it right or fast enough. I don't know. I mean, 
I would hope that you're going to clean it up. Uh, I have I have questions. I'm just going to leave them to myself. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, it didn't happen, so I don't know. <laughs> so since we're talking about things being inserted into other people, I'm going to tell you guys a story about the Led Zeppelin shark incident. I know we're trying so hard to to clean up the stories it's like hard. it's really hard but we're still trying for you guys and the person that wrote this article thought that they were being like super clever when they wrote this yeah. which was led zeppelin were fishing for trouble <laughs> at the edgewater inn in seattle during their first u.s tour some have said a shark was involved while others claim it was a red snapper but apparently it's true that some of the members of Zeppelin, their road manager, and members of Vanilla Fudge were all involved in using a fish they had caught to penetrate a young groupie. Yeah. Robert Plant denied the story after it first came out in Hammer of the Gods, but the road manager, Richard Cole, and Vanilla Fudge drummer, Carmine Appas, I think that's how you say his name, Appas, both later confirmed it, although their accounts differ. According to some recollections, some of the musicians' wives were even present. So, imagination, kids. But it sounds like it was a true story, but not all of the information has been sussed out. So. That's so messed up. Yeah. Gross. Moving on. <laughs> wow. All right. I hope this is as entertaining for you guys as it is for <laughs> us, because I am <laughs> extremely entertained right now. Oh, yeah. It's fun. I like this one. All right, so this is one that you may have heard about any number of poor rock or pop artists, but the one I found in particular, and it seems to be like the one at the heart of all of this, like comes up the most the, that it's attributed to, is Rod Stewart. Mm, I know where this is going. You know this one, huh? So it's not true, but he actually finds it quite amusing, <laughs> so he doesn't phase him, so at least I don't feel bad for him. But basically, the rumor goes that Rod Stewart had given so many blowjobs that he had to have gallons of semen pumped out of his stomach. I actually saw an interview with him where the, the, the host blatantly asked him, and he's like, look at me. It's like, does it look like I would do that? He's like, I'm as straight as they come. Well, I love this quote that's in the article. I mean, he he didn't really care. So he told Rolling Stone, it was so laughable, it never really hurt me. What could it have been? A fleet of effing sailors? He's full of semen from semen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's, he's a clever he's a clever boy. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, not true. Not true. All right. How about another Keith Richards one? Okay. Keith Richards doesn't sleep. Really? I mean, as much as that can be a true statement. Uh, in Richards' autobiography, Life, he bragged about how he recorded 1978's Before They Make Me Run in a five-day-in-a-row no-sleep studio session with multiple engineers tagging in and out. One engineer would flop under the desk and have a kip, and I would put the other one in and keep going. So he went without sleep for five days straight. Jeez. And then there was another day, well, there was another stretch of time where he didn't fall asleep for nine days. Nine days without a week, I fell asleep standing up eventually. 
I was just putting another cassette back on the shelf and I was feeling great. And then I turned around and fell asleep. I fell against the edge of a speaker and woke up in a pool of blood wondering, is this claret? And that's a uh, claret is a like a red wine, like a Bordeaux. Oh, okay. So he just found this pool of blood and was like, is this wine? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. But for some reason, I feel like he would be the kind of person that doesn't sleep. Because in the end, the fact is, Keith Richards is going to outlive us all. Keith Richards is never going to die. We're going to have my husband step in for my personal favorite Keith Richards story. So hang on. Allegedly, there was a party at a mansion in France with the Rolling Stones. And of course, Keith Richards had a bit too much. And he passed out. Yeah, I know. He (laughs) He passed out under the dining room table, which had a cloth over it. And apparently the next day, this was around the time Keith would just go on trips. So when the band woke up the next morning and packed up, they were like, oh, Keith went on a trip. He must be gone already. So they basically left him under this table. <laughs> and that evening, the castle was being turned over for a party for the gendarme, which is the French police force. Okay. So these cops start rolling in and they're standing around and Keith Richards comes to and rolls out from under this table. He's like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's full of cops. So that's that's my favorite Keith Richards story. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you, William Hickey, for that story. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, the entire planet could turn to like a radioactive, like blown out desert scape, like unsurvivable conditions. <laughs> and Keith Richards will still be wandering around with like an endless supply of cigarettes just... No, hey. did you hear? Apparently he quit smoking and drinking. Well, now he's going to die. Yeah, probably. <laughs> He'll probably all of a sudden keel over. Please don't die, though, because then we're just the worst. <laughs> all right, madame, it's your turn. I want to tell one that's not dirty, but I know I already know you're going to hate it because you don't like this person. You have an irrational hatred for them. What did Phil Collins do? <laughs> it's what Phil Collins didn't do, darling. He probably didn't. He just doesn't want you to know. <laughs> so supposedly there's a rumor out there that Phil Collins wrote in the air tonight about watching a guy watch a guy drown. It would make sense that Phil Collins would just watch a guy watch a guy drown. Exactly. That is two kinds of stupid. (laughs) So, (laughs) we all know how LD feels about Phil Collins. He is terrible. (laughs) You are just, you have an irrational hatred of him. He probably did something to me in a past life. I I guarantee you. I doubt it, but okay. Can I continue the not true rumor? Please. (laughs) So, the rumor goes on to talk about how... After years of trying to figure out who the guy was who let someone drown, Collins finally found him, invited him to a show, sat him up front, and played the song at him. This is not true. Uh, If you've ever seen an interview with Phil Collins or, I don't know, seen Phil Collins, he's not exactly the type of alpha man that it would take to passively, aggressively do something like that. (laughs) Like... To just be like, you sit in this front row and I'm going to play this song at you because I know what you did. Like, he's not going to do that. The real story is that he wrote In the Air Tonight, as well as most of the other songs off of Face Value, about his failing marriage. So, sorry to burst your bubble. Did not write it. Watching a man watch a man drown. Sorry, LD. 
So the the next rumor is actually going to be an episode of the podcast because it's going to be about Graham Parsons. And that is about how his body was stolen. Yeah. So you get this is the one that I think most people actually know the truth about. So didn't you mention this one in a different I, I episode already? Because it's so bananas. Yeah. But didn't we do didn't you mention this in one of the Halloween episodes? I probably did. <laughs> We've done so many of like these the conspiracy the, theories or something like that. Probably. While Graham Parsons might not be a household name for the millennials, he completely changed the face of rock and roll, alt country, and country music when he joined the Birds for Sweetheart of the Rodeo and started the Flying Burrito Brothers and released two beautiful solo albums before overdosing on alcohol and opioids in Joshua Tree. But before Parsons' body could be flown back to his native Louisiana, that's my native. I was born in Louisiana. Friend and producer Phil Kaufman tried to make good on the pact that he made with Parsons to spread his ashes at Cap Rock in Joshua Tree. Kaufman stole Parsons' body from LAX and set the coffin on fire with a couple cans of gasoline, was chased by the police, but not caught, and fined $750. Kaufman's intentions were good, but unsuccessful. His remains were ultimately flown back and buried in New Orleans. And there is actually a movie, and I believe it's starring Johnny Knoxville, that kind of recounts this whole story. So that is actually 100% true. And I think the only reason why he didn't go to jail was because at the time there wasn't any law about having human remains or like desecration or anything like that. So $750 for what he did. (laughs) So weird. I have another gross one. Oh, good. This one's really gross. It's not sexual, but it's really gross. Thankfully, it's also not true. So, this rumor is really gross. I'm sorry. I'm trying to, like, figure out how to approach this, but there's no way to approach it nicely. I'm just going to dive right in. So, according to rumor, Frank Zappa ate a pile of human feces on stage. Ugh. Or maybe pooped on stage or had a gross out contest. Like pink flamingos? Yeah. Like there's just, there's a few different versions of this all around poo. Um, Yeah. You know, depending on the version that you've heard, one of them is he had a gross out contest with one of his fellow rock guys, you know, like Alice Cooper or Ozzy Osbourne or whatever. When that person took a lovely steaming turd on stage and Zappa one-upped him by eating oh. the the turd. No. No. Ugh. It's really gross. But thankfully, <sighs> again, it never happened. Zappa wrote, for the record, folks, I never took a shit on stage. And the closest I came to eating shit anywhere was at a Holiday Inn buffet in Fayetteville, <laughs> North Carolina in 1973. So not only did Zappa squash the rumor, but he threw some lovely shade as well. <laughs> well, do you. OK, without saying where you got it from, do you remember your worst meal ever? Oh, I've had a few, but yes, I do. I I ate chicken from a gas station. I won't say where. I won't say the name of the gas station. But I got food poisoning that lasted for three days. And it was 
miserable. And you know what's sad is that the chicken wasn't even good. Yeah. I remember where it was. It was in Ireland. At least my most recent horrible meal. I could not. I literally could not eat it. Like I was so hungry. We had been traveling all day. And I was so hungry. And when the food finally came out, it was inedible. Like I could not even just make myself eat it anyways because it was that terrible. And I ended up going outside and crying in the street because I was so hungry and I could not, literally could not eat my food. I've been there. (laughs) Like I've been there. And I was just dying and everywhere else was busy and packed. Of course, this place was empty. So... (laughs) Like I was waiting for Gordon Ramsay to like come out from the kitchen or something or stand up at the table and be like, this is a disgrace. Stop eating. <laughs> you know, everyone get out. Get out. That's my Gordon Ramsay. Impression. Yeah. And I love Gordon Ramsay. By the way, you are welcome to come anytime you would like to randomly host an episode of Rock and Roll Heaven <laughs> with us. I adore you, darling. Um... Yeah, that was really bad. It was really, really bad. <laughs> and I cried. And I cried. Oh, my God. Did I cry? Well, you would probably cry if this happened to you. Okay. If this person showed up at your door. Oh, uh, is it Steven Tyler? No. Oh. Prince. <gasps> oh, yeah. You know that Prince actually went door to door as a Jehovah's Witness. Yes, I did know that, actually. Yeah, I, I just found that out a couple years ago. I would most definitely let him in. After he passed away, like (laughs) all these things came out about him, how he's been secretly like funneling money into different schools and stuff like that, went door to door, uh, you know, professing his faith and and postulating and things like that. And so he just seems like I've said it before. I was never a huge fan of Prince's music, but I respect him. Shut your mouth. No, I respect him. I think he did terrific things, and I definitely recognize that he was a giant force in the music industry, and I know people are diehard fans. It was just I was never introduced to him in my formative years when I was finding my own footing with music. So right. I respect him, I and I, I get that he is an amazing guitar player, and I get that he is an amazing singer and producer, writer, keyboardist, and he's done all these things, and I and I completely respect him. So there's no there's no... There's no Phil Collins in Prince. Right. I get, I get, I get the appeal. So it's a well-known fact that he was a practicing Jehovah's Witness for decades prior to his death, but stories of the singer showing up at random homes to preach the good book genuinely sounded made up, and it turns out that they weren't. In 2008, Prince told the New Yorkers, some people act surprised, but mostly they're really cool about it. While that's kind of interesting, it turns out people weren't always thrilled with his visit. A woman from Minneapolis named Rochelle describes her experience with Prince knocking on her door as legitimately annoying. (laughs) (laughs) What? My first thought is, cool, cool, cool. He wants to use my house as a set. I'm glad. Demolish the whole thing. Start over. And then he started in on his Jehovah's Witness stuff saying, you know what? You've walked into a Jewish household and this is not something I'm interested in. And he says, can I finish? Then the other guy... Larry Graham gets out of this little gets out this little Bible and starts reading scripture about being Jewish and the land of Israel. So true. He went door to door, which I just think is awesome. Honestly, this is one of the reasons why I respect Prince was that 
even though he's one of the biggest stars, he still believes so much in his faith that he was willing to go door to door. And well, that's part of the faith. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's cool. Like it, doing at, your mission work. At no point did he think he was above that. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's part of the faith, so you have to. So what's, what's next? Okay, guys, I'm going to put this rumor to bed right now. Paul McCartney did not die. They did not find a doppelganger to replace him <laughs> for the Beatles to continue to make music and money. So allegedly, the rumor goes that Paul McCartney died in a car accident in 1966. And rather than break up the band, they found a Paul doppelganger. Supposedly, fans were finding clues everywhere in the music. You know, you know. Oh, there's a song that if you play it backwards, it says, Turn Me On, Dead Man. And I think it's the end. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong. I think it's the end of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. If you listen to it, it says, I buried Paul. But John was like, no, he's saying cranberry sauce. As much sense as the rest of the song. Yeah, so people have gone as far as trying to decode messages in license plates on the cover of Abbey Road and like playing connect the dots with the holes on the brick in the brick wall on the back cover. And also he's <laughs> out of step with the rest of the band on the cover of Abbey Road like everyone's leaning with their left foot and he's got he's on his right foot and he's also barefooted and yeah, like there's so many supposed clues that meant that the real Paul was dead. He's not. He's Fand alive. Leave Fand it be. Fandom has no chill. Yeah. I mean, everybody's tried to prove this true. It's just, it's just not. I mean, it's even going so far as to like showing how the real Paul would have aged differently than his doppelganger did. And like, I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. Stop trying to prove this. It's just. It's not hap it's not it's real. It's silly. It's it's silly. It's not real. Paul McCartney is very much alive. He did not die. Get over it. Speaking of death, I have one more and then we will do the one the two that we have where we found on both ends LD found them to be true. I found them to be false. We will let you decide which you choose to believe because there is no real answer. It's true. All right. I wanted to include this one cuz I know we were doing one and one and one. But this one is just so wild. I wanted, I really wanted to include it. Hit me with it. Okay. So, you know, do you know the band, the Ohio Players? Oh, yeah. Roller Coaster of Love. I love that song. Yeah. So, I know, I know, <laughs> I actually know this rumor and it makes me, actually, there's two rumors with the Ohio Players. So, I will say the other one that I know based on which one you're reading now. Okay. So, one of the oldest surviving rumors in rock and roll suggests that the woman on the cover of their album Honey was either stabbed to death by the band's manager or burned with the honey she covered herself with on the cover during the photo session. The honey was allegedly heated to maximize its drippiness. So the rumor goes on to also say that you can hear her screaming. Oh, see, they've put this, they've put all this together. Yeah. So all of these come together that you can hear her screams in the band's hit Love Roller Coaster. But the thing is, the screams on that song actually came from keyboard player Billy Beck. And according to Jimmy Diamond Williams, the band's drummer at the time, quote, there is a part in the song 
where there's a breakdown. It's guitars and it's right before the second verse and Billy Beck does one of those inhaling type screeches like Minnie Ripperton did to reach her high note or Mariah Carey does to go octaves above like that whisper singing. The whistle pitch. Whistle pitch, yeah. yeah. And the DJ, so this continues the quote, the DJ made his made this crack and it swept the country. People were asking us, did you kill this girl in the studio? The band took a vow of silence because you sell more records that way. <laughs> so basically, they it didn't happen, but they didn't tell anybody it didn't. So people ha- continue to believe that they murdered this poor woman. Okay, so I've heard both of those rumors, but actually I heard a different variation on the scream, which was that if you've ever heard the song, that scream is eerie. It's it's really creepy. Have you heard it? I don't know that I have. I'll pull it up in a second. All right. Um, and I'll just go to the scream. But it's it's an eerie sound. But what I heard, which is of all rumors, like, you know, there's a variation on some detail, which was that they were in a studio that was either near a train station or near an alley, of course. Like, I've heard it both ways. And what you hear is a girl getting murdered outside and they just happen to catch that scream and they're like let's use it in the song that would be morbid yeah so that that's the that's the story i've heard but of course like that whole honey thing also happened in goldfinger where they they said that the girl died because she was painted gold and her skin couldn't breathe and so she basically asphyxiated so (laughs) i've heard a variation on that one too not being just burned but actually dying yeah. Yeah. So. So. Not true. And also, by the way, people, when you're recording songs, it's not at the same time as you are shooting the cover artwork. <laughs> so even if she did get burned by the honey, it wouldn't have elicited a scream that was picked up in the recording. I'm sorry. Sorry yeah. to burst your <laughs> bubble. Like, it doesn't all happen at the same time. <laughs> and, you know, no. a creepy sound but yeah but it's not it's like, intentional yeah i wouldn't have thought that was somebody that getting killed no but it is it is an eerie sound yeah it's creepy so we're gonna touch on what tj was talking about earlier um i found two facts in my research that are stated as true and tj i also have them in my research as false so we're going to talk about both of them. So do you want to take the lead on the, since you have more information, on the David Bowie McJagger one? Yeah. So you may or may not have heard this rumor that David Bowie and Mick Jagger were friends with benefits. They were fun buddies, as it were. Um, I have this as being false, mostly because 
there's two sides to every story and you really like unless one of them came forward to say definitively yes or no there's really no validating it like there's just no proof so the rumor about the two musical legends is kind of oddly specific but it's also probably not true the story goes that David Bowie's first wife, Angela, found Bowie and Jagger in bed nude, looking like a couple of fellas that uh, just, you know, had a good night, had fun. So in Mick Jagger's biography, Christopher Anderson wrote the following. Angie had been out of town for a few days when she returned home when she returned home one morning and went straight to the kitchen to make some tea. The Bowie's maid who had arrived about an hour earlier, approached the lady of the house with a peculiar look on her face. Someone, she told Angie, is in your bed. Angie went upstairs to her bedroom, slowly pushed the door open, and there they were, Mick Jagger and David Bowie, naked, in bed together, sleeping. Both men woke up with a start. Oh, hello, said Bowie, clearly taken by surprise. How are you? Continues on, this excerpt continues on, Angie Quote, felt absolutely dead certain that they'd been screwing. It was so obvious, in fact, that I never even considered the, the possibility that they hadn't been screwing. So <laughs> nobody can corroborate this. Jagger Bowie neither confirmed nor denied this when it came out. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but it's just a rumor. And honestly, if they did, who cares? <laughs> so you believe that it's a rumor. I believe that it's a rumor. I think See, that I believe that it's true. I think that it's a story from his ex-wife to make him look bad. Like, See, I think it's a story from his ex-wife because <laughs> it was the 70s and 80s. They were married for 10 years. They were married from 1970 to 1980. And I feel like Mick Jagger and David Bowie. I think they probably could be fluid. And yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's definitely not true. But I just think there's no proof here. Like, I, I'm saying I believe it. I just what and, what bearing it has on the musical landscape is inconsequential. So right, it doesn't really matter. They both made amazing music, and I don't care. Yeah. But I believe it could be true. I believe that's that's the, the reason why I included it is because I honestly believe it could be true, especially since you have the quote from Angie. So that's well, yeah, from the book. Yeah, yeah. I mean. What I feel like I feel like if it wasn't did not believe, you know, if it's apparently in a, she never asked them, though, either. I believe that if it's in a book like she wrote it down and she made a quote and it wasn't true, she could be sued for slander and have the book pulled off the shelves. Yeah, but she's saying her opinion like she but basically said she didn't ask them. She just never crossed her mind that they hadn't been. Yeah, I, I I'm going to stick with my I believe this is true. All right. I don't really and care. And I'm if fine with it. I don't really care if it's true or not. Also, if I, I came, just, if I came home and David Bowie and Mick Jagger were in my bed, I would not be asking questions. No, I'd be like, uh, yeah, let me in. <laughs> I think my husband would have given me a pass if David Bowie was still alive. I'd be like, it's David Bowie. So our final one is probably one of the most talked about rumors in rock and... Of course, I have it as true. TJ has it as false. So we're going to talk about Keith Richards snorting his father's ashes. In 2007, Keith Richards made international headlines when he told the New Musical Express that he had mixed his dad's ashes with cocaine and snorted them. He later claimed that the remark was taken out of context and his reps denied it. How out of context? 
what are you talking about that that's taken out of context? But in his autobiography, Life, the guitarist confirmed that he did indeed snort dear old dad's ashes, but not mix with cocaine. Richards claimed that some of his father's ashes blew onto a table while he was trying to spread them. And rather than just brush off the residue, he opted to stick his finger in that residue and snort it, which is a relief because, you know, now that he's explained it, it's not creepy at all. See, and I have it totally different. I have it. I actually have it being false because, one, it's been several different rumors. It's been that he smoked it in a joint or a cigarette. He snorted it in cocaine. There's a few different different ways this rumor plays out. But regardless, you know, the rumor plays out that he shoved the ashes into himself <laughs> instead of... Whoa! Well, no, like, somehow ingested them, whether it was smoking them or snorting them or whatever. They're in him, you know? So the rumor, I have it, that the rumor was actually born of a moment of levity where Richards joked that he meant to plant his father's ashes, accidentally spilled them on a table and snorted them, like, accidentally inhaled them, you know, not intentionally mixed with cocaine but the story got out of control and i actually have it that richards set the record straight or had to set the record straight with this quote the truth of the matter is that i planted a sturdy english oak i took the ashes and sprinkled them beneath the tree and he is now growing oak trees and he would love and he would love me for it that's what i have is that he actually set the record straight and was like no 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 i know the rumor got crazy i know i made this joke and it was terrible but no i didn't like I put his ashes under an oak tree that I planted for him. So I have it as false. And to wrap up, I think that's the thing about rumors. Someone once said that when it comes to rumors, there's my side of the story, there's your side of the story, and somewhere in the middle, there's the truth. Right. And so with every rumor, there might be a monochrome of truth to them. But in the end, when it comes down to it, the only person that knows what really happened is the star. It's the the rocker themselves. And that's something that people are going to encounter anytime that they hit stardom is people are going to start spreading false information, misinformation, stuff like that. And it sucks. And, you know, we can laugh about it here, but in the end, it can be really harmful. So just be careful what you're talking about, what, what you're posting on Facebook and making sure that's not spreading misinformation. Double check your your sources and like we do. And like we didn't do with this episode. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it kind but that of, was kind of the point of the episode. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was kind of the point of the episode was, you know, there there are some things that are totally true, some things that are completely false, and sometimes there's a little bit of truth in every story. So, yeah, except for Rod Stewart. I, I feel like that one's completely false. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the Phil Collins thing, I'm fairly certain. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> There was a there was an awful lot of the ones that I read that are probably, you know, they're most of them are 100% false. Yeah. Uh but tell us what you think. Do you think what do you think about the the last two that we read about Mick Jagger and David Bowie and uh Keith Richards and about Keith Richards? Like let us know. Yeah. And Hit us up on Insta or Twitter or Facebook and, and let us know what you think if you believe them or not. Yeah, and you know, share with us the rock rumors that you've heard and whether you think they're true or not i'll be throwing up a post on instagram on the day this episode drops so please feel free to like go and connect with us over there it's we're having a fun time over there yeah i had a i had a handful of other ones i didn't that we didn't quite have time for but you know let us know what you've what you've heard yeah 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward segue. Check. Awkward segue. So this is what you get when you get a minimally edited episode. So thank you guys for checking this episode out. Make sure you check us out next week. I'm not going to tell you what we're going to cover this month. So we're playing it close to the vest. But oh, yeah. once the next episode drops, you'll probably figure out what the second episode is. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Yeah. They usually come together. So if you guys want to check us out on Patreon, you think we're doing an awesome job and would like to give us money, uh, you can do that at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. So if you donate at the $10 level, we are still running our yearly contest where you can choose the host and the subject. So get on over there and donate if you would like an episode fast track. And also, you know, if you have already reached out to us and requested an artist be covered, you know, via our Facebook or our email. We have gotten them. We are getting them into the schedule. We just have had certain things that we're covering for specific reasons and specific timelines. So don't worry. We're getting to everybody. But that's the best way to get your episode fast-tracked. I know we have two specific episodes that are in the queue from requests from folks. So yes, don't worry. But if you want it fast-tracked, uh, go make a $10 donation on our Patreon. And that can be a one-time donation. We're totally fine with that. So Yeah. And then if you want to drop down to the $1, we'll, we'll appreciate that as well. So, But uh, that's enough with our Patreon. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Rock and Roll LT. Our Facebook is Rock and Roll Heaven Pod. Our Instagram is Rock and Roll Heaven LT. Still not saying our website. And you can email us at Rock and Roll Heaven LT at gmail.com. And if I said that too fast, it will be in the show notes along with the some other information so thank you guys for checking us out we'll see you next week keep rocking in the free world tj yeah say good night good night good night bye, bye. I don't